Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful David Ray. David, are you ready to do this? I am. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Let's do this. David is a CFP and AIF, the founder and president of DRM Wealth Management. He is a frequent contributor to Forbes, the Huffington Post, and Investopedia. He's also a frequent frequent guest on numerous television shows and has been named one of the uh, one of the 100 most influential financial advisors by Investopedia. I'm excited to have you on. David, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Absolutely. I've been a financial planner for about 15 years. I'm based in LA and I just like to help people make smarter life choices. I'm, I like to be very healthy. I like to be money conscious. And I think a lot of people need help in those areas. <laughs> and I like to pull it all together so that people can you know, just live a better life and not feel like they're uh, struggling with money or struggling with health and all of that other good stuff. I, I, I respect and appreciate that. Sometimes I think that too many advisors or financial media fall into the trap of only talking about financial stuff and ignoring a lot of the other life stuff. And I don't think that that makes any sense. So, Because all of the stuff we're doing is about your life, to be honest. So, you know, we're not, we might talk about investment returns or the best investment, but it's usually the best investment to save your kids college or buy a house or retire securely. And even, even talking about retire securely is still like, so you have money to eat <laughs> and you have a roof over right. your head and you can do the things that you're enjoying. It's not really about the best mutual fund or ETF or, you know, even what the market's going to do today or tomorrow. That just really doesn't matter in the typical person's life. I know for those of us who are really money nerds and love this stuff, it might be kind of exciting for us. But I think the typical person is really just could care less. They just want to know, are we going to be taken care of? Are we going to have enough money to do our the things we want to do? And can we afford different things? Right. They want to be assured and reassured that the path that they're on, how they're saving, what they're invested in is going to get them to where they want to go so they can focus on the things that are more important to them, which which I think is an extremely valuable thing. Um, but we are, people are very siloed, right? And maybe that's our, our society and our culture. It teaches us to, 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 I guess, consume in different silos. So I guess it makes sense that, that we do a lot of planning stuff in silos too. Absolutely. And there's definitely times where we absolutely have to talk about tax law and taxes and your, you know, what is your taxable income, all of that fun stuff. And what investments do you own? Should you own where, you know, what can we do to improve your investments? All those things are, are needed and necessary, but it may not be the focus on a day to day basis. And I think as a financial planner, I love that my clients can just hire me. And half the time, <laughs> they have no idea what's going on day to day in the market. They don't care. They don't have to worry about it. And they, we check in and we're doing what they need to be doing. And they know they're on track. So it's taken care of versus being like, oh, I'm on vacation. Let me look and see what the stock market's doing today because that's really going to help. You know, you're on the beach in Hawaii. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to help the stock market go up or down. <laughs> Let's be realistic. Right. You know, I mean, there's there's definitely some people I've seen. I've been on vacation where someone's there on their computer checking the market and thinking that that's going to, that trading is going to be a really good idea while you've had five cocktails on the beach. (laughs) (laughs) Not, not when you're making the best, smartest financial decisions, whether the market's going up or down. And, you know, I, I hope my clients when they're maybe drinking and 
all of a sudden get on the topic of money, they will email me or call me <laughs> or put a note, call David <laughs> after my vacation's over so they can still enjoy their vacation. Because if someone has a financial plan and they're doing the things they need to be doing to reach their financial goals, there's not that many things that are desperately needed to be done at any point in time other than, oh my gosh, I forgot David said, you know, today's the deadline to open an account or, you know, fund my IRA for next year or this year, all those fun things that people can do at the deadline. Um, it's amazing how people really do wait to the deadlines. I know if, if there was no tax deadline, people would still be filing their taxes from the eighties. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and people still wait till April 15th or they get their extensions and they wait till the absolute last minute. Uh, but that's not the way to go. I think that's adding stress to an already stressful situation. So try to avoid that. <laughs> Be proactive. Even if your taxes aren't filed right away or really early, at least have your information together or hire a CPA or a tax preparer so that you don't have to stress about it at the very least. <laughs> Avoidance behavior is a very real thing and a very powerful thing. So it's something that, uh, that I've been sort of thinking a lot about lately is the role of community in helping people be personally financially successful. So what's the role of community and personal finance? And I have a tendency to look at groups like Weight Watchers and Alcoholics Anonymous and even things like CrossFit that has that community which helps people to get to wherever they want to go. You have thoughts on that? I absolutely think letting people know what your goals are or having people around you that maybe are sharing some of your financial values. It doesn't have to be exact same goals, but like we're saving for a retirement or we want to take a big vacation and we're saving for it versus, oh my gosh, my friends are flying first class to, you know, Europe. Let me follow them and put it on my credit card. And all of a sudden you're, you're in, in debt up the wazoo. And I think there are studies that show that like married couples do better saving for various financial goals over time. There's, there's probably a lot of couples that don't fit that, that mold, but having someone that kind of holds you accountable or having someone that at least can, you can run by some emotional decision is going to help you get there. And I definitely think kind of the group mentality can really help when it's positive and when it's helping, but on the reverse with finances, you could also have the group of say friends who maybe are a little different socioeconomic level than you or aren't as dedicated to saving money. <laughs> you, you might make the same amount of money and if it's amazing how much more you can spend if you don't save anything. So, or if you're comfortable <laughs> running up debt, so your friends can also take you the, the wrong direction. You know, I don't picture you going to CrossFit and having your friends sit in the corner and you're eating McDonald's, you know, while going to CrossFit. I could be wrong, but you know, generally everyone there is trying to be healthier. It has some health goal where, you know, being social with your friends that's money is not typically a part of that conversation until, you know, maybe you went out to dinner and you're splitting the bill, but you know, you, your friends can make you poor and your friends can definitely help you grow wealth. So, you know, let your friends know kind of what you're doing. I know it's kind of taboo to talk about money and you don't have to be bragging of what you're making or bragging how much you have in your IRA or your 401k, but you can still be like, you know, we're, we're putting money away so we can buy a house. And that's part of why we need to go to a dinner at this cheaper restaurant than the other restaurant that your friends might choose or let's not order the most expensive bottle of wine right? <laughs> or let's look for a deal on our vacation. Let's, you know, I'm going to, I'm flying coach or, you know, let's go to this hotel. That's not a zillion dollars per night so that we can stay extra time and do activities. There's a lot of ways you can save money or it's not really saving money, but not spend as much money and still enjoy life and still enjoy your trips, but stay on track for your goals. Yeah, that's that whole penny saved is a penny earned deal, right? It is. <laughs> not spending is a form of saving. Um, and I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head that 
having a positive community can make all the difference, but having a negative community can also make all the difference. The whole crabs in a bucket thing. If, if you're trying to quit smoking and all your friends are still smoking around you, your, your odds of being successful with that are probably pretty low. So absolutely. And you know, even if you're on the smoking thing, you're, if you're still sitting there in your secondhand smoke, you might as well be smoking is kind of my unofficial right. non-medical opinion, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and there's a lot of people who compare themselves to their friends, even on negative things. I've definitely heard people over the years when I've been speaking at conferences say like, well, my friends have more credit card debt than I do, or there's, they're saving less than I am, or they have less in their 401k than I do. Well, that, that doesn't matter. Are you going to be at retirement when you're 65 and be like, it's okay. I'm, my trailer is nicer than theirs or my homeless person tent is nicer than their homeless person tent. <laughs> I'm being a little, little facetious there, but you know, it's some, some people, I mean, have zero saved and that's not who you want to compare yourself to. Right. I'm flat broke, but at least I'm not hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Like those people over there is not hey, a constructive you know, thing. Absolutely. I mean, if you just paid off a hundred thousand dollars in debt and you're moving in the right direction, take, you know, pat yourself on the back. But if you're just at like, I'm at zero dollars and I'm not in debt, you know, that's a good starting point, but you definitely need to get on the bandwagon of looking forward and, and saving and building wealth and putting yourself in a position to build more wealth. <laughs> so you're not right. broke or that emergency doesn't put you into that place where you all of a sudden are cascading into credit card debt, which is so easy to fall into. Oh, for sure. Um, we, we, we sort of touched on the the importance or the value in community is having people that you can talk to and share your goals and have an accountability partner or, or, or partners. And I think that also that open communication and talking about money, because like you said, it is sort of a taboo subject and there can be a lot of shame that's involved if you're not in the right place financially. Um, but I think that just getting in the habit of talking about it and communicating about it, like any problem, is 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 an important first step in 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 getting better. Absolutely, and I think that's kind of where a, someone, a financial planner who's actually giving advice and kind of helping you can really be that accountability partner. And sometimes I always tell my clients, especially when it's a couple, that I can be the bad guy. <laughs> you know, it's much it's much easier for me to say, you know, we shouldn't spend that on a vacation because we want to do this or you know, let's not go out to dinner every, every night so that you can take that vacation you want versus maybe a spouse. It comes off as nagging of like, we're spending too much money (laughs) is, is not, is going to start a fight. Whereas I get to be, you know, I'm putting it in in a more positive, you know, skipping that dinner or, you know, saving some money at the groceries or whatever means you get to go to Hawaii. And would you rather go to Hawaii or eat out takeout on Tuesday night? I'm I'm pretty confident. Most people, some people really love their takeout might really make that choice. And it makes it much easier when you kind of put it in a positive spin. And also, again, I can be the bad, bad guy and and be the mean accountability person. Like, no, you can't do it. And that's not really what financial planning is about, but sometimes you need that. And you just, you need that refresher of why we're doing some of the things we're doing. And it's so easy to get trapped in the thought of like, I'm never going to retire or I have enough saved or all my friends are going out to dinner or you could go down the list forever of all the negative things or they're having a sale (laughs) i have to go buy it it's on sale i have to buy it (laughs) yeah i think that we all have a junk drawer in our houses or apartments or whatever that collects stuff that we bought with a purpose at one point but now you look at you're like why in the world did i buy this thing so i think it's so important to remind yourself through interaction with uh with a financial advisor or an accountability partner or whatever it might be that here's the path that I'm on. And you're like, oh yeah, that's right. That's the reason I'm budgeting the way that I am because I do have this larger goal in mind. So very important to just kind of remind ourselves about that. And 
financial success comes down to a lot of different variables, right? But there's the little stuff like not eating takeout on a Tuesday night, but also the choices that you make with larger purchases like your car or like a house. And I think that I saw on your blog that um, trying to figure out is it the right time to buy a home? And you live in California and that's a different housing market than a lot of the country. So how do you help people make that decision? Absolutely. It's really, I try and preface it as part of a financial plan because we're, we're in LA. It's a very different conversation <laughs> to buy a house here than in many other parts of the country. Right. Um, you know, I think a down payment in many parts of LA would be more than the median house in the U S it's like, you know, I think the median house is something around 250, depending on 250,000, which is great and is a nice budget, but that's, if you're gonna have to put that down just to buy a house here, right. <laughs> it's a very different conversation about what you can afford and what you want to afford. And I really help people walk through, you know, okay, this, this house that you want to buy, it's great or it's not great. We can argue about that too. Cause sometimes you're still buying a dump <laughs> for a million dollars in different areas and you go, okay, well that's going to be $2,000 more a month or $3,000 more a month, or even if it's seven or $800 more a month, where is that going to come from? Do you really want to give up going out to dinner every night <laughs> or, you know, or really have to take all your brown bags to work? And you might make that decision that you do want to do some of those things. But if it's like, you need to get rid of your car, you need to not take a vacation, you need to not eat out with your friends and you need to live like a hermit. Most of us are going to go, let me save up some more money or let me hold off on buying that house. But then some, sometimes people walk in and they go, they can totally afford way, way more house than they think. And they're like, we don't need to spend that amount of money. So you can kind of go, okay, what's, what can we afford? What do we want to afford? And depending on where you're living and what you're doing, you know, that number may be very different. Um, the good news here in LA, a lot of us or a lot of my clients at least are making, you know, well above the national average type income. Otherwise they probably couldn't even afford an apartment here. Right. <laughs> uh, but I have conversations with clients in other States and it's like, I'm buying a house and it's way less than my rent was. And I go, absolutely go for it. <laughs> you know, that's a very different conversation. But you know, you also need to be aware of what what goes into really owning a house. It's not just the mortgage. I mean, I've lived in my house for 12 years, and the amount of repairs and stupid crap that I've had to spend money on over that time is astronomical. And I bought a house that had been redone recently, and it was nice, and it is nice. But it, there's still things come up, and you're now responsible for that stuff. And I'm not a big fan of being house poor because I do like to live a good life and not stress about money. I'm really big on keeping my budget below my means, I guess is the nicest way to put it, where I, you know, I'm, I have a good life. I spend a lot of money and I make a good amount of money. So I just make sure I'm not having to be that person that if I don't get that next raise or I don't get that bonus or that I don't get the next client that I can't make my, my bills. And I, I've definitely seen people here and it may be an LA thing, but I think it happens everywhere with the car and the, the house and student loans. All of a sudden you're, you're paying your rent, you make your car payment and you make, some a little dent and you're like maybe student loans or credit card debt and all of your money's gone and there's no money left for fun stuff like eating. <laughs> so you really need to make sure that you can actually afford a car um, if you're trying to reach other financial goals. And, and I really don't care where you spend your money if you can afford it. You know, if you're able to save enough for the various financial goals that a client you come in and tell me you want to achieve, the rest is yours. So if you want to get a Ferrari with the rest of it, go for it. You know, if that that's probably a bigger stretch than most of us will make. But I've had people come in. I'm like, you've got the money to do it. I think it's still a stupid thing to do. <laughs> I think you're going to look like a douchebag <laughs> pulling up in a Ferrari or whatever. But, you know, if they can afford it, that's a different conversation. It's their choice. And I'll give them my two cents. But 
go for it. Versus if you're like, there are definitely some people here in LA and it's maybe an LA thing again, but they're renting their studio apartment and they're driving a Bentley and you're like, your car costs more than your apartment. That is just stupid. But that's my opinion. <laughs> that probably wouldn't be a good client for me or anyone else. Right. Yeah, I think it's important to, to, to really examine occasionally, maybe all the time, what our motivations are and whether or not how we allocate and spend our money is in line with truly what our values are. And that's probably a conversation that we all need to revisit from time to time. It's so easy to get trapped into it because you see it, you see the great deal or the end of the year sale on a new car and it just seems so appealing. But it just it just doesn't really matter. My car is like six years old and someone said, you should get a new one. I'm like, I don't care. It's, it's <laughs> nice. It still feels new to me and it drives well. And, you know, who cares? You know, I, I live in a nice house. It's not the nicest house, but it's nice. You know, we, and I can afford it, which is great. And if you told you the price and compared it to the rest of the country, I'd, you know, crap my pants, but it's, it's what it is. <laughs> it's LA. <laughs> yeah, that is a, unique challenges and opportunities with uh living in los angeles so well david savage nation is ready for your difference making tip what do you have for them my big tip is to make as much of your financial saving and all of that good stuff automatic there's no no reason to have to stress about putting money away on a monthly basis or paying your bills and the less you have to think about it the better results you're going to get so try and make all of your bills automatic and try and make you're saving automatics, you're putting away money into your 401k or your investment accounts on a monthly basis. It'll help you when the market's down, it'll help you when the market's up, and it'll just make your life easier. Well, that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. And it's so true. <laughs> I mean, you, you need to take need to take that decision making off the table because when it comes down to the end of the month and you've not put money away, it sometimes it gets, it gets hard to do that. So, and David, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Absolutely. Check out my blog. It's financialplannerla.com. Or you can check me out on Forbes if you just Google David Ray Forbes. Or I'm on Twitter at David Ray CFP or Instagram at David Ray LA. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show David your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Check out his website, follow him on Twitter and Instagram, and I will list all those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, David. Thanks for having me. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!